It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Really good. I thought we might wake up number one today. We were so close. We're only like two or three voter points behind Clemson. Didn't make it, but so close. Yeah, um, I, it was a little bit disappointing to me as well. Um, I thought we were going to take over that spot. But before we get into today's podcast, I do want to say, number one, that this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go check out BuiltBar.com. Number two, uh, we have a new advertiser on board in Homefield Apparel. And I've already bought some stuff from them. It's incredible. Go to homefieldapparel.com. I'll tell you more about it in just a little bit. And also, we want to apologize for missing Thursday and Friday episodes of Locked on Bama. But both Jimmy and I had some pretty serious storm damage. I know, Jimmy, that I was without power at the at the house I have in LXC and the house that I really live in in Birmingham. Um we were all set to move into a hotel on Saturday night because we were like, look, this is, this is just not working. I mean, we can't get the power back. There were, there were major, major storm damage. And um, luckily the power came back on in Birmingham Friday night, probably about 11. And um, the power just came back on in Ellick city for me this morning. So uh, at least all that's back up. I hope you're okay. Yeah. 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 Boy. Uh it's uh now now the rest of the state can see how awful we get it down here on the coast once or twice oh, yeah. summer. <laughs> it's no it's no fun and and what's what beyond just the damage to your home and the damage to the yard uh what a tremendous uh burden it is to to live without power for for more than a few hours and uh gosh I hope we just don't, I hope that's the last of the storms this year and we can move on as we count the minutes until 2020 is over because things have to be better in 2021, right? They, they, I mean, well, look, let's just not say anything about it and hope that they are. Um, I think, first of all, before we get into the game, we should all uh, express our disappointment in the fact that Sage Ryan did commit to LSU, not to Alabama. It looked like for all the world he was going to commit to Alabama. And um, I think the hometown pressure and the family pressure was just too much for him. And so that's that. I mean, he's a five-star safety. I'd love to have him. I do hope that as LSU continues a downward spiral, that perhaps he'll give us a second look or maybe go with where his heart really is. But, you know, if, if he doesn't choose Alabama in the end, we'll be fine. And I would certainly love to have him, though. Yeah. Uh, boy, a bunch of things leap to mind. One is I remember Nick Saban. One of the things that sold Julio Jones on Alabama back when there wasn't much to sell at Alabama other than Nick Saban had just arrived, there wasn't these championships or track records of producing first-round picks when Julio uh, chose to go to Alabama. He was sort of the Pod Piper that led the way. But one thing that Julio has said years later that really affected him in terms of why he chose Alabama is Nick Saban looking at him honestly and saying, look, we're, we're going to win with or without you. And None of all the other programs have spent too much time butt kissing, you know, to say something real like that. And that's one of the ways I feel about Sage Ryan. Alabama's going to win with or without him. Now, LSU, 
I don't know that they can win without him because yeah. if LSU's not, not dominating their in-state recruiting, I don't know that they can have a ton of success. So he was vital to them. Secondly, I uh, also think of the stories of high-profile recruitments of five-star quarterbacks like Tim Tebow and Brody Coyle. You know, for a while, it was real. Tim Tebow almost went to Alabama. That's real. I mean, Tim's not making that up for drama. Tim almost chose Alabama over Florida despite extensive ties to Florida uh, and, with, and with his dad and his family wanting him to sign with, 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 with Gainesville and stay closer to home. Uh, he almost picked Alabama. You have to know that's where his heart has literally cried during uh, his uh, commitment uh, because he, was, uh, he didn't like upsetting Alabama and Coach Shula. So, and Brody Coyle who had every tie in the world to Alabama, he almost went to Florida State, almost. I mean, it was close. But in the end, he chose his family. In the end, he chose and did what his family was best for his family, just like Tebow did. And that's really just what Sage Ryan did. Uh, the fact that he signed with LSU does not mean that this momentum that, that everyone perceived that Alabama had was fake or drama or a product of selling recruiting subscriptions or just a bunch of overeager Alabama fans? No, I think what exactly happened was the kid got so excited about Alabama, he went ahead and announced a commitment date. And then, then it got real. Then it got, wow, I'm really not going to LSU. And then everyone in his family's like, well, wait a minute here. We, we might need to rethink this. We might need to rethink this. And because it gets real when you pick the commitment date. Now it's like, well, now I've got to tell everybody in the world what I'm actually doing here. And it got real. And in the end, he chose his family and where his ties were, just like Tebow did, just like Brody Coyle did. Uh, you know, that's, uh, that's just how recruiting works. But, you know, if LSU keeps doing what they did on this past Saturday against Auburn, then I think that a lot of people may be looking for other places to uh, spend the next three or four years with their talents. But, Jimmy, you know, one thing I know that I did this weekend after the Sage Ryan uh, disappointment was I cracked open a Coors Light, a cold Coors Light. It's made to chill, and I needed to chill a little bit after that. And then I just sort of sat around Watched a lot of college football because most of my week, just like your week, has been go, go, go. It's the you know power outages and work struggles and everything in the world going on. Um, political strife at home and abroad. You need a beer every now and again. And we needed a beer. We needed a Coors Light again because you're spending so much time on the go. You need to have a beer that's made to chill and Coors Light is just that. Go to CoorsLight.com. Love it when people tweet at us and say, hey, bought me a six pack of Coors Light this weekend just for you guys. As a tweet we got from one of our listeners, appreciate you. And, um, you know, Coors Light, we at Coors Light, they always say celebrate responsibly, but it's easy to celebrate when you're an Alabama fan because it seems like we win all the time. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Jimmy, let's talk about the uh, Mississippi State game. Kind of went the way I thought. I mean, there's certainly a lot of things to hit on. I mean, first and foremost, I think 
Devontae Smith's performance, four touchdowns. He t- he's already tied the SEC record for career touchdowns now receiving. And theoretically, um, okay, so we have four real games left. I mean, four games no matter what. Then if you assume the SEC championship, and if you assume we make it to the national championship, that means that we've got seven total games left. So he's going to obliterate this record, we think. But theoretically, he could actually be here another year and really destroy the record. And I think that's what we should try and sell him on instead of getting all those millions of dollars. <laughs> he could come back. I mean, it's what uh, I think next week in the off week, Luke, I think it's a really uh, good subject to really talk about is who can come back. Here, here's a, a spoiler alert. They all can come back. Miller Forrestal can come. Josh McMillan is playing a rare sixth year of eligibility that's rarely allowed. Even Josh can come back next year for a seventh year. They all can come back. So it'll be really interesting to see, interesting to see who does and who doesn't. But I think at this point, th- th- this is what I think, and again, spoiler alert, spoiler alert in terms of my opinion of what's going to happen. I think the normal kids that are projected to go day one – I think guys that are going to go day one will go like they always do. This year will look no different than any previous year. I think guys that are projected to go day one, they're going to go. Guys that are even projected to maybe fall out of day one and end up being day two guys, rounds two and three, I think they'll go. I think this will be a normal-looking year insofar as the top guys. What's going to look different to me uh, in terms of what I predict is it's not going to be good enough to go day three for, for, so I think a lot of guys who normally would be drafted in rounds four through seven, they're going to take this extra year and come back to school. Uh, I, I think a lot of projected day three guys will come back. And, uh, and, and now who, who's going to be that guy who's realistic about where they're actually projected? I don't know. I'll give you a good example off the top of my head for Alabama in terms of like this is a guy we haven't talked about that might come back. But I'll tell you a good day three prospect for Alabama is Deontay Brown. I I don't think Deontay Brown would go. I certainly don't think he'd go in round one. He might go the second day. But this is a kid that's not going to test well. He's going to be heavy. I think he looks better on tape than he does in person. And guards don't go high in the draft. Deontay is definitely a guard. He is. He is not a tackle. Guards do not go high in the draft. I think Deontay Brown is going, would be drafted, and he's going to make a team and be a good player in the NFL. But where he'd get drafted, I say more likely round four, round five, a kid like him might choose to come back with the idea of, okay, what do I got to do to move to day two? So I think that's a good example of, of what it might look like when our, when our kids are making these decisions. Wow, you went off on a tangent when I asked you, when I was just joking about Deontay. <laughs> into where Deontay Brown may or may not go in the draft. I dig it. I mean, I'm with you, and, and I think maybe yeah. But wow, that went, you went from point A to point K and somehow stopped at point X, L-M-N-O-P, before you got there. But anyway. Um, you can tell what's on my mind. You can tell so, what's been on my mind today. Okay, so we are a podcast that focuses on uh, the negative. No, not really, but we do seem to uh, – we're Alabama fans. So I think even in a 41 to nothing shutout, the first shutout Mike Leach has ever suffered 
And, and, and to think Pete Golding is the cat who did that is pretty mind-boggling considering the entire fan base has fired Pete Golding several times. Like they've fired him, rehired him, only to fire him again because they didn't get enough satisfaction out of it the first time. But Pete Golding did just lead a shutout of the Mississippi State Bulldogs, the air raid offense, and that should be uh, a lot of credit, and we will talk about that. However, I want to say this. I said we were talking about Devontae Smith and how – you know, the Golden Gazelle, Silky Smooth, that's what uh, the, the John Doe Coaches Show calls him on YouTube. It's great. You need to check it out. But um, I think that Matt Jones having four touchdowns is great. I, I think that he, um, you know, he, he had the, the least amount of yards he's had all year, and it still was like a high point for any other quarterback in the country just about. But you know what? I think Matt Jones, not just because of the yardage, had by far the worst game of the year for him. Maybe the worst game for him as a starter, period, even with the four touchdowns, because Jimmy Devontae Smith made him look a little better, on at least statistically, than he was in this game. Devontae had some incredible catches. He was so wide open a couple of times, and the ball was underthrown, which usually doesn't happen with Matt. On the, on the 99-yard drive, the 99-yard drive, we should have had a 99-and-a-half-yard touchdown to Devontae, but uh, it was a bad pass, and Devontae Smith had to just go up and steal it away from the defender. If he, if he throws that to the middle of the field, it's a touchdown, right? It, yeah, yeah, no, I think that's a good observation. I, I would agree. I don't know that I'm quite as negative on it, but I, I agree with the premise that uh, that was Mac's least best performance. Uh, it's not a performance I would say is bad. Uh, certainly not, and, and you weren't saying that either. Uh, you were just saying it wasn't as good as the other Mac Jones performances, and I agree with that based on a number of factors, including throws that were just off, including the fact that, that, that plays were there to be made, and, and Mac was a little off. It reminded me a little bit of Tua a year ago. Sometimes Tua's stats would look great, but those of us who've seen Tua play every week, sometimes after games would go, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't really Tua. That, was, that wasn't 100% of Tua there. He was... Tua was just off, and Tua being just off means he's still better than 90% plus of all college quarterbacks. Uh, Mac Jones' performance was still very good, but he was just a little off, and, and not because I think he's hurt, not because he's tired, not because he is overrated. Uh, I think he was off just because when you play 10 times, you're not going to play your best game 10 times. Some weeks you're going to be a little off. It's just like – Justin Thomas doesn't go out and shoot. He's, he's the third best golfer in the world. He doesn't go out and shoot 66 every time he plays golf. Sometimes he shoots Jimmy. 74, and you're like, what the hell? And, Jimmy, I agree with you. That's And that's I'm not saying he had a bad game. He obviously had a great game. I mean, look, if, if he has these statistics 15 years ago, we're talking about one of the greatest performances in Alabama history. So we're judging him against himself. There's no doubt. However, I think that uh, – Oh, shoot. I had a great point. I just lost it, and that pisses me off. But, uh, but uh, the, the point is that it, it – look, look at it this way. Bo Nix for Auburn against LSU had like 300 yards and um, three touchdowns or something and maybe a rushing touchdown, and everybody's going bananas saying that was an incredible performance. Essentially, we're saying Mac Jones had the exact same performance, and we're saying it was – the worst game he's had this year, but he's had such a fantastic year. It's hard to say that. And I think when you just look at the stat line, you will say, 
oh, it really wasn't that big a deal. Oh, I know what my point was now. This was the very first game. Now, you can say the Tennessee game because Waddle got her on the first play, but this is really the first game we went into without Waddle's presence. Now, Waddle was on the sideline in the cast, you know, very famously, but the, the, I think that the fact that we didn't – for Tennessee, it was sort of like such a quick thing that we had to make an adjustment that maybe we didn't have time to really react to, oh, my God, Jalen Waddle's out there. This this whole week we practiced without Jalen Waddle, and I wonder if that throws off your timing just a little bit because, you know, Devontae Smith is the number one receiver, but Waddle, Waddle might really be the number one receiver in Mac's heart. Mac and Waddle had a great chemistry, maybe more so than any other uh, receiver. And so now everybody gets bumped up a notch. And I wonder if that threw off the timing just a little bit, just a hair, or maybe the confidence shook in Mac just a little bit. I don't know. Uh, regardless, I, I, we're not saying Mac played poorly. That is not what we're saying at all. We're saying that Mac played his worst game in a season where he's having an incredible season and any other year these statistics would jump off the page this particular game I, I, all I can keep thinking I just watched the highlights again before we did this podcast I really was thinking when he threw that ball to Devontae I was like Devontae's got him and then I saw the ball was hanging up a little long and I was like crap this is going to be incomplete and Devontae just made a great catch hmm. yeah I think uh, one of the things we need to work on that's going to make Mac better, and maybe it was just part of the game plan for this particular night, or maybe it's just because Devontae just gets open. But I believe, I don't, I don't remember how many passing attempts we had in the game, but Devontae was targeted 18 times. And that's just too many in terms of predictability. You know, uh, now LSU, now let's remember, Devontae famously beat Derek Stingley last year on, on a couple of snaps because no one ever beat Stingley, but Devontae did, and he did it a couple of times. So Devontae can beat Stingley. Well, LSU is struggling, but let me tell you two positions they are very good outside cornerback, Stingley and Elias Ricks, and even Cordell Flott, um, who plays a nickel for them, and sometimes a corner. All three of those guys are excellent football players. They're all going to be highly drafted pros. I think when you play LSU – if we're going to throw it to Devontae outside 18 times, some of the time it ain't going to go good because LSU's just too good out there. We're going to have to spread it around more and make some throws to the slot guy, make some throws to the tight end, make some throws to the backs, and sort of stay away from those corners a little bit. Or you know, We're not going to stay away. Devontae's going to have, not going to have no catches for no yards. No cornerback can do that to him. I'm just saying it can't be a smart game plan to throw the ball to Devontae 18 times against LSU because he's going to be going up against Stingley and Ricks and Flott all night. So let's, let's, let's get Mechie more involved. Let's get the slot guy like Bolden more involved. Let's throw it to these tight ends that we got. And in particular, let's throw it to Najee, who is fantastic with his hands. And I think Trey Sanders is good with his hands, and, we're, and, and he's going to be playing more and more. You're talking about great game plans. Let me give you guys one more great game plan. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Homefield, the premium collegiate apparel brand. It's out of Indianapolis, incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. Homefield launched their Alabama line 
on Halloween, Nick Saban's birthday, very appropriately. Um, and it, it's got some incredible selections. Some of the logos and some of the, uh, the, the college collegiate designs are things you haven't seen or haven't seen in a long time. And so you need to check them out. And I, I'm, if I'm lying, I'm dying. Just like all these other products we pimp, I buy some of them. And I bought two shirts from Homefield Apparel immediately. I used the code Locked On Bama, and I got twenty percent off. Use the code Locked On Bama, and you'll get twenty percent off at HomefieldApparel.com. Trust me, you're going to love this stuff. Uh, I tweeted about it the other day, and um, you know, a lot of people went to the site. I mean, Homefield was like, man, we should have launched Alabama earlier. I was like, yeah, no kidding. I mean, we're, we're a pretty big deal. You know? uh, so go to HomefieldApparel.com and use the code Locked On Bama. Meanwhile, after that, go to Built Bar, builtbar.com, another product that we uh, have been selling on this site and have advertised before, and we've tried and we love. Go to builtbar.com. They've got six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, my personal favorite, and apple almond crisp. You need to go there as soon as possible, B-U-I-L-T, B-A-R.com. It's great for the health conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight. You know, some people are already too skinny. You don't want to lose any more weight. But this won't this won't make you gain weight, but you can maintain your weight. And you could it's it's high fiber, high protein, low sugar. It's great for a keto diet. Um, you know, for example, the peanut butter I know has 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, five grams of sugar and five grams net carbs. I mean, that's awesome. And I've done the key thing before and that, that I don't know back when I did it, probably a little too old and chunky to try that now, but, uh, I just like built bars cause they taste great. I'm not necessarily a health conscious guy myself. I just like them cause they're so good. I mean, I just eat them. So go to, uh, builtbar.com, use the code locked on for 20% off at Built Bar. That's code locked on, builtbar.com. Jimmy, you brought up uh, Najee Harris, and that, that, so many streaks just continued with this Alabama State game. Obviously, Alabama hadn't lost to Mississippi State since 2007. Nick first actually at that game when uh, John Parker Wilson throws a pick six out of the end zone. Oh, God, sort of like Mac Jones last year in the Iron Bowl, now that I think about it. But um, that really turned the game around. We hadn't lost to him since. Um, We've really pretty much, you know, dominated in in almost every single game. Um, But Najee's streak of consecutive games with a touchdown does come to an end, even though he does get 120 yards rushing. And meanwhile, I I did want to add in, I think it's kind of cool, Devontae Smith has four touchdowns against them uh, when – he also had one of the bigger touchdowns of his career as a freshman from Jalen Hurts to win the game there four years ago in in, uh, in Starkville. But anyway, um, going back to Najee Harris, he he's leading the SEC in rushing. He looked great. I mean, he still hadn't broken off one of those big runs we've been talking about. I thought it might happen this week, but it didn't. And he did catch the ball well out of the backfield. But you know what, Jimmy? I'm about to start making – a, uh, a, a help with a groundswell of support for Trey Sanders to be the second running back now. What do you think? I think Trey looked uh, pretty dynamic, and it just goes to show what just a couple of games of playing, how that can change you to a different player. We we were almost mocking Trey Sanders after the Missouri game. We just said, I mean, yeah. what do you have, one yard on nine carries against Missouri? Yeah. And now 
playing the number one defense in the league and uh, and look like a high-quality SEC back to me. Uh, Trey Sanders has a different gear than Najee's got. I think he's more of a home run threat, and I think it's just a matter of time before Trey Sanders busts loose on a big play. So I'm all for Trey getting the ball more. Uh, you know, B-Robin looked better. Uh, my, I thought B-Rob looked good the last couple of weeks and looked like a real high-quality backup. I still think he can be one. He was playing hurt Saturday. Nick uh, Saban said after the game they only wanted to put Brian in on some third downs because he's very good at picking up blitzes and things like that. So they, they saved his snaps for a handful of third downs, but Trey Sanders playing more than Brian was part of the plan just simply because Brian was banged up this weekend. We really need this bye week because we got a number of players now that are yeah. banged up, not necessarily hurt and lost for the year, only Jalen Waddle with that, uh, with that. But we do have a lot of guys banged up like B-Rob. I, I think personally, like we predicted la- uh, last week in our early in the week shows, there's going to be more and more dependence on the Alabama run game as the season progresses because the offensive line just continues to get better and better and better and more punishing, takes pressure off of Mac, takes pressure off the fact we lost Waddle, just makes all the sense in the world to run the ball more. And with Trey Sanders emerging as such a big threat, it just makes even more sense. We can pound teams with Najee, Brian, Trey, and uh, maybe bring in the, a fresh Trey in the fourth quarter. is is going to be just brutal for teams that have been pounded on by Najee and Brian, who are such big backs. Uh, then, then you put in Trey in the fourth quarter, who's fresh and fast. Uh, that, that just feels like a good formula to me. No, I agree. I just thought he also he he ran with a little bit more authority than B. Rob. I'm glad you told me that that Brian Robinson was a little bit because he also uh, dropped the pass. And you know, Brian Robinson is. It, I, I've always heard he had has had really good hands, but when it gets into a game time, it seems like I know he dropped a, a yep. an easy touchdown against Ole Miss. I think it was last year on a throwback play. Um, he, he's had several drops like that, and so. Um, and that's really not necessarily his forte, but he is great at picking up those blitzes, like you mentioned. Uh, the only catch is when B-Rob comes in on those third-down situations, well, you kind of know we're probably passing it, right? I mean, that's the only catch uh, in, in, right. at this time. Um, was there anybody else that uh, maybe an unsung hero? I thought it was so cool that Patrick Sertan gets the uh, pick six to take us over that 35-point threshold. You know, that we were extending that streak of – uh, number of games over 35 points, just like we're extending the streak of games that we've won against non-ranked opponents. And uh, that's that's so cool to, that he was able to do that because uh, I hated it for Bryce Young. I, I mean, everybody knows I'm the biggest Bryce Young fan. I love the kid. I just think he's awesome. I think he's going to be great. But let's also call a spade a spade. When he has come in this year, he has not lit the world on fire. He has not had the Tua Tungo-Vailoa coming in for Jalen Hurts type thing, although it should be noted when Tua comes in for Jalen Hurts, that's not exactly apples to apples because Jalen Hurts was a running quarterback. Tua is a throwing quarterback. And Bryce Young's coming in from a guy for a guy who's throwing 400 yards in three consecutive games. So, obviously, he's not going to look quite as good as he. But um, I, I hated it that they called that a fumble on that play where he tried to pull the ball yeah. down. It, it wasn't a fumble at all. It, wasn't it was a complete fall. pass. It was an incomplete pass all day long, and the SEC office just blew it. But it, it didn't matter because it's forty. It was thirty-four to nothing at the time. But I just hated it for the kid, um, yep. because I want him to get over that. I want him to get his his first touchdown, just like I wanted Trey Sanders to have that touchdown. But he was obviously down, and and the review got it right. 
on that particular instance where Trey was uh, down about six inches short of the goal line. Um, was there anybody else that stood out to you in this game? Uh, just the offensive line in general was great again. Uh, and, and, you know, good point that you made about Sertan's uh, pick six getting us to 41. Uh, I think some of the proof that Mac Jones was a little off was we, we, we wouldn't have uh, maintained the streak of 35 points right. without the defense's help. And that's more proof that the offense and Mac were just a little off. They certainly weren't terrible. They gained 500 yards against the number one ranked defense in the league. Right. So, so they, they weren't terrible. They weren't bad. I would have to say, overall, Mac and the offense were very good. But were they as good as they were the first five performances? Maybe not. Maybe not. I, I just don't think it was their best performance, and they needed to pick six to get up to the 40-point range. So, uh, you know, offense just a little off. In terms of unsung heroes, uh, I'll tell you one, uh, and I don't know if hero is the right word, but just like we're saying that the offense is going to use Trey Sanders more and more, I'm hoping in this bye week, the two-week preparation we have for LSU, a kid I want to see more and more is number 50, Tim Smith, uh, a defensive oh, tackle no. nose guard. Oh, Tim, I, I know it was just one play that kind of famously that he made in the game where he completely body slammed a Mississippi State running back like he's a rag doll. But I think that's not a fluke. or a, That's what you're going to see from Tim Smith for the next two or three years. Uh, he's, he's a beast. He can be a dominating presence. And I think if we had a dominating presence in the middle of the field, it would make the other defensive lineman's job easier. I hope that Tim Smith develops into somebody we play more and more snaps because he looks different to me than the other defensive linemen. Our other defensive linemen are all contributors. They're all pretty good. Tim Smith looks like he may be great. No, I totally agree. Um, I, I thought that that play, and I frankly, I don't know why that wasn't an interception. When he tackles the kid on the shovel pass, and um, the ball was still moving, and Tim Smith rips it away from him. I really feel like he should have gotten an interception, which it doesn't matter. He still got the ball, but I think it's cooler for a defensive lineman to say, hey, I, I got an interception. Um, another kid that's a true freshman, that Malachi Moore, first of all, is, is still playing lights out. He's playing fantastic. Um, I mean, like he's, he's performing at an all-SEC level second team at maybe – I mean, I'm telling you. Uh, and then Brian Branch, I thought, played really, really well, too. I was certainly glad to see that. You know, I'm, I try to – just it's my nature as an Alabama fan, I try to temper my enthusiasm a little bit. I don't want to get all, you know, hey, our defense is – we're finally getting it. But, you know, we have only given up, what, 17 points in the last uh, – Ten quarters. Ten quarters. I mean, that's, that's kind of a thing. And I know we haven't played the most dynamic offenses in the world. But um, at the same time, it's, it's, it's a positive in a year where we are uh, playing an all-conference schedule. And I think that that says something. And Mississippi State did have an off week, right, coming into this game? Right. Sure did. Okay. They had two weeks to get ready for this. Now, they've had, you know, a bunch of uh, upheaval in starting. Well, there's no doubt about that. But I, I think that this defensive performance uh, is, is a huge positive in, in I think we should give Pete Golden a couple of weeks rest to just let him do his thing and see how it goes against LSU. Because I'll tell you, they might look good again in Baton Rouge the way LSU is looking right this minute. And I also think it can't go unnoticed. We we need to be the Will Reichert podcast. 
this kid is everything we want a kicker to be, and, and then some. Look, I think if you had told us, I'm not even sure what his stats are right now, but he's 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 100% on field goals and he's 100% on extra points. If you had told me, Luke, I'll give you – Will Reichert will be 90% on extra points and 75% on field goals, I would have taken that at the beginning of the year. And he's 100% across the board. I mean, I can't say enough good things about him. It goes to show you that even though last year we lamented – the loss of Dylan Moses, the loss of Tua for the stretch drive, all the things that kept Alabama out of the playoff. Losing Will Reichert for the season probably affected Alabama as much as, as any loss because just just to cite, cite one game, if we had a high-quality field goal kicker, we don't lose the Auburn game, no, even no. without Tua and without Dylan Moses. Yeah, um, and then, boy, I'm just sort of – racking my brain thinking about anything else that uh, as we wrap this podcast up, I know we got, there's several other things to talk about. Um, I find it kind of funny that Alabama's got three receivers in the top five of the SEC statistically in terms of yardage. And Jalen Waddle is still third. He's missed the last two games. He's still third in terms of yardage. What a dominant performance by just one of the great players in college football. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm hopeful because I'm selfish that for whatever reason he chooses to come back play for Alabama next season. But uh, I'll understand it when he chooses his NFL millions. He is a special, special, unique talent. Yeah. Well, look, guys, we will be back, and there's a lot to talk about SEC wise. There's a lot to talk about Alabama wise. Um, this is going to be a fun off week. Y'all stay with us. We hope there's no hurricanes that knock us offline. But uh, Jimmy and I, again, apologize for not having podcasts these last couple of days of the previous week. But there just wasn't – it was just – I mean, at my work, Jimmy, I don't know how your office was. Our office didn't have power for a day and a half. We couldn't, we couldn't do anything. I mean, there was, we had no internet, no power, no nothing. Yeah, Sally was a bigger storm that hit us directly. But everything about a storm is really how it affects you. I would say at our house – uh, our house was affected just as much as it was during Sally, uh, but uh, my office in, in downtown Mobile was, was even worse. We we had windows busted out, windows wow. busted out, uh, and then some water damage as a result of that. That was at the office. We didn't have electricity there for a couple of days. And as you know, most people know, you know, we record the podcast. You know, we, we it, it's helpful when you're at the office to record the podcast because of all the extra equipment there, and. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, things were kind of upside down for us for a couple of days, but we're back to the point you will get sick of hearing from us this week. If you're not already, um, be sure to go check out CoorsLight.com, BuiltBar.com, and especially this week, go check out HomeFieldApparel.com. Folks, I promise you, you're going to love some of these uh, designs they have. I like some of the old designs are so to me i'm sort of a retro dude anyway and i've, I've been big retro shirts and they've got a lot of them they're coming they're going to be bringing out some other stuff too so this is not going to be like oh this is all you know this, this is the only ones we're going to have for a while no they're going to come out with some new stuff they're telling me too so just keep going back and checking out the site use code locked on bama there and use code locked on for built bar all right jimmy roll tide buddy roll tide NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. 
So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.